grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Our first lesson for this season after Pentecost is found recorded in the book of Genesis, chapter 32, beginning at the 22nd verse. He got up that night and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and he also sent his possessions across. Jacob was left alone, and he wrestled with a man there until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he touched the socket of his thigh, and the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated as he wrestled. The man said, let me go, it's daybreak. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Then he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. Then he said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have fought with God and with men, and you have won. Jacob asked him, please, Tell me your name. He said, why do you ask what my name is? Then he blessed him there. Jacob named the place Peniel because he said, I have seen God face to face and my life has been spared. The word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in 1 John chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence that we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we also know that we receive the things we have asked from him. The word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. Jesus told them a parable about the need to always pray and not lose heart. There was a judge in a certain town who did not fear God and did not care about people. There was a widow in that town, and she kept going to him, saying, Give me justice from my adversary. For some time he refused, but after a while he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God or care about people, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not wear me out with her endless pleading. The Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God give justice to his chosen ones who are crying out to him day and night? Will he put off helping them? I tell you that he will give them justice quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes... Will he find faith on the earth? The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. With the production of a new hymn book, what is also always updated, well, maybe updated isn't the correct word, but one of the changes you will see is in what's called the Pericope series already pre-chosen text. 
Back to the Lutheran hymnal, those had been chosen on a three-year cycle. But it was always based on, and by the way, our last hymn book continued to use that. It was always based on that the Gospel and the Old Testament would be texts that would be very similar in theme. But the epistle, the second reading, the letters, would always just be a continuation. So they would be just selected, but you would always, you know, like if it was the book of Hebrews, you would hear several readings throughout several weeks, maybe even several months. But those readings didn't always match the theme of the gospel and the Old Testament. So with this new hymn book, they decided to make some changes to that. So with the gospel, they, instead of going in order for the second lesson, they decided to pick lessons that would go with the theme. So you will notice in the bulletin that there is not only a worship theme, but now a series theme. And the series theme will last anywhere from four to six weeks with, with specific worship themes. Like the series theme for this Sunday, or for the last couple Sundays, and for also next Sunday, is called Lord, Increase Our Faith. And the, the specific worship theme is be persistent in prayer, as prayer is a fruit of faith. So when we pray for an increased faith, we're praying for the Lord to move our hearts, to be persistent, and to continue to pray, and to do so with a believing heart. Because of this change, there is now new texts that haven't been preached on for the last umpteen years, because, of, because this is now an update to the three-year cycle. And one of those brand new texts is the one before us from the letter of John, his first letter, chapter 5. And we're going to read, once again, verses 13 through 15. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of God, of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence that we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we also know that we receive the things we have asked from him. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I believe it was Benjamin Franklin who had said that two things you can certainly be certain of is death and taxes. And to me, those words sound very dark and morbid. That that's the only thing we can be certain of is death and taxes. There's got to be more to life than that. And there is. In fact, I love how the Apostle John speaks of what we can be certain of, and he doesn't talk about death and taxes. Yes, I say the Apostle John. This is not John the Baptist. This is not the forerunner of Christ who was to prepare for the coming of the Savior. The Apostle John, by the way, along with Andrew, was a disciple of John the Baptist. In fact, they both heard John the Baptist say when Jesus was walking by, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that very day, John and Andrew 
follow Jesus. This is the Apostle John, who along with his brother James, as well as Andrew and his brother Peter, that would hear Jesus speak to them about no longer being fishermen, because that was their trade, but now to be fishers of men. Not only were they called to be disciples, but now they were called to be evangelists. But that didn't stop there. For Peter, Andrew, James, John would be the four that would be usually listed when it came to the 12 apostles. They followed Jesus during that three-year seminary training. Yes, this was the Apostle John, who was also, along with Peter and his brother James, separated from the other apostles when it came to seeing Jesus raise the daughter of Jairus from the dead. It was the Apostle John, along with his brother James, and as well as Peter, who would be separated from the other apostles when they witnessed Jesus shine in all his glory on transfiguration. And it would be the Apostle John, along with James and Peter, who would be separated from the other apostles and would be closest to Jesus at Gethsemane when they listened to him pray before the betrayal and his arrest. It was the Apostle John who would be standing at the foot of the cross next to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and he would hear the words of Jesus say to him, here is your mother. And he would hear Jesus say to his mother, here is your son. And from that day on, the Apostle John took Mary as his mother. It was the Apostle John who lived longer than any of the other apostles, we believe, into his 90s. His brother James was actually the first to die, and he died at the hand of King Herod. He was murdered. It was the Apostle John who now writes these words. And these words, he actually wrote five books, but these words are in his first letter. And when it comes to 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, those three letters, along with Peter's two letters, along with the letter of Jude, and along with the letter of James, we have a group of letters that are known as the general epistles, the general letters. Because unlike the Apostle Paul, who wrote to a specific congregation, and those letters were, went by the name of those churches, here the letters go by the name of the author. Because they weren't meant just for a specific congregation. They were meant for the general public to read and hear. And what does the Apostle John want everyone to hear? First and foremost, I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Instead of death and taxes, he spoke of eternal life. He spoke of conquering death. He spoke of life after death. He spoke of eternal life, which is clearly pointing to heaven itself. And why can he speak of this with such confidence? All because of the Son of God. Notice that he doesn't speak of 
just calling Jesus Jesus or Jesus Christ. We hear those words all the time through faith in, in Jesus and in Jesus Christ. You are saved. But here he specifically points out the fact that this Jesus is the Son of God. Just like what's going on today, John has had been dealing with false believers and false teachers leading people astray with the false belief that Jesus was just the Son of God with a small s. You know, like calling all Christians, well, you're sons and daughters of God. No. The translation here uses the big S, and that's an interpretation and a proper one at that. Because Jesus is more than just a fellow human being and, and, and a Christian at that. He is the Son of God. And that is so important to hear because it is the Son of God who took on human flesh. It is the Son of God who lived that perfect life. It is the Son of God who suffered the punishment for our sins on the cross. It is the Son of God who rose and defeated death and gave that promise, because I live, you too shall live. This is the Son of God, and because Jesus is the Son of God, you have eternal life. And John wrote for you to know this, not with wishful thinking, but to know it with confidence. In fact, in the original language, the word know here is not the normal word for know. There's actually two words for know in the Greek language and that are the most used, especially in the Bible. There is the one that's known as to know by experience, that you gain your, your knowledge by the things that you do and the things that you learn. And when you use your hands, when you live your life, the things you see with your eyes. But then there is the knowing that you cannot learn by experience. All the experience of the world can't give you this kind of knowledge. Because this word knowing, and that's what's used here, is knowledge that you receive from God. It's not knowledge that you receive out of thin air. It is knowledge that you receive from God. And it is in keeping with God's holy will that he reveals his knowledge through the written word. This is knowledge that you receive from the Bible. You will not hear it from any place else. There is no other books. There is no other philosophers that can tell you about eternal life. Only God and his holy word can. Well, that certainly emphasizes the fact that learn this word and learn it well and take that word to heart, letting God speak for himself because it is the holy word of God. And it centers in the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. And through faith in him, and through faith in him alone, you have eternal life. That's why this knowledge is not wishful thinking, but rather knowledge that is certain, knowledge that is guaranteed, because it is knowledge revealed by God himself. And not only do you know you have eternal life, but you also know that he hears your prayers. Here's what John wrote. This is the confidence we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Prayer is a heart-to-heart -heart talk with God. Prayer is, 
not just folding our hands and bowing our heads and sitting at the side of our beds. Oh, I saw that in movies growing up over the years, and now you don't see that anymore as more and more people are falling away from the Lord. But prayers that heart-to-heart talk with God. And by the way, prayer, which is a fruit of faith, because the heart of a God-pleasing prayer is a believing heart in the Son of God and eternal life. Prayer is not something that I can claim I deserve or I have the right to or I can do whatever I want with prayer. I'm a sinful human being who does not deserve to pray before God. As a sinful human being, I am by nature an enemy of God. As a sinful human being, I am by nature blind, spiritually blind. It is only by God's grace that I'm invited to pray. And it is only by the grace and mercy of God that any of us pray. But when we pray, God wants us to know he hears us. This is why we pray in the name of Jesus. And in fact, many of our prayers end with usually the words, in the name of Jesus. See, the name of Jesus is everything he reveals about himself in his holy word. Every, everything that reveals who he is and what he has done for us. You can actually say the name of Jesus is the entire Bible because the Bible focuses on Jesus Christ. Who has come and who will come again in the last day. So praying in the name of Jesus is praying with confidence, praying with that believing heart. And faith always has to have an object, and the object of saving faith is the word of the Lord, the name of Jesus. So yes, it is in Jesus' name we pray. As we pray to him, knowing he not only hears our prayers, but he also will answer those prayers. Listen to how beautiful it is, how John puts it. If we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we also know that we receive the things we have asked from him. When you first hear these words, are you not tempted to think that prayer is simply like a blank check? I fill in the amount and God is going to cash it for me. He has to do what I say. But that's not what these words are saying. For the heart of understanding these words are found in this, according to his will. That when you pray in accordance with his will, he will answer that prayer in keeping with his will. And he will always answer it. From our perspective, that may look like yes. The answer is yes. Or maybe the answer is no. Or maybe the answer is wait. But knowing that a prayer done according to God's will is answered, it's technically always yes. God answers it at the best time in the best possible way. A perfect example of this kind of prayer is certainly the Lord Jesus himself, who at Gethsemane cried out, Not my will, but your will be done. So we always pray in keeping with God's holy will. And that, my friends, 
is a God-pleasing prayer. I pray you exercise your faith and pray. Make prayer an important part of your life. And I wouldn't doubt that you find yourself not just praying like at meal times or when you wake up or when you go to bed. And I wouldn't doubt that you're saying prayers to the Lord during the day and people don't even know you're doing it. As you're always speaking to your Lord with the confidence that he hears and answers your prayer. That's where we find the power of prayer. It's not simply how you pray or how often you pray. The power of prayer is in the fact that our God hears and answers our prayer. The very God, the Son of God, who has given us eternal life. Death and taxes, is that what we're all certain of? No, not in the least bit. Benjamin Franklin has it all wrong. And if you don't have the Lord in your life, yeah, you'll be in his camp. No, we know with confidence that we have eternal life, that God hears our prayers, and that very God answers those prayers. So the next time you sing, Jesus loves me, know and know well that Jesus loves me, we do not say, Jesus loves me, this I wish. Jesus loves me, this I hope. Jesus loves me, this may be. No, we sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.